Summer's coming, Washington, D.C., and so are pesky mosquitoes. Don't let mosquitoes ruin your backyard fun. Call your local True Green experts for True Green Mosquito Defense. This science-based treatment will help control mosquitoes in your yard within 24 hours and keep your family and pets comfortable all season long. Save 50% on your first mosquito service by visiting TrueGreen.com summer or call 877-629-0092. Say goodbye to mosquitoes and hello to the perfect outdoor space for summer. Call True Green today. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Huddersfield versus Liverpool game. This coming Saturday evening at the John Smith, aka Kirklees Stadium in uh, Huddersfield this Saturday. With me tonight is uh, our usual guest, Jay Riley. Jay's a regular on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show, right to the Liverpool Echo, and is uh, now a regular with us on the, the Cop Table. So good to be back, Jay. A couple of weeks away. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. You know, looking forward to this run of fixtures that we've got now, and you know, it's some good games for us, really. And there's no excuses. We've got to make sure we win them. Brilliant. And for Huddersfield tonight, for the first time with us is Ollie Fisher. Ollie is a, a writer for TeamTalk.com, Football Three Six Five, and also Eyes on the Prize. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at Ollie Fisher. So, thanks very much for your time, Ollie. How are you? Yeah, very good, mate. Thank you. Um, not looking forward to this run of games that we've got coming up, but uh, yeah, pleasure to be on. Great stuff, yeah. Um, starting off with yourself then, uh, Ollie, while you're the home team, bit of a bit of an indifferent start for Huddersfield uh, this season. What have you made, just personally, to the to the start um, that David Wagner's side have made? Yeah, well, obviously, it's our second season in the Premier League. Um, we We scraped up. Last season, we managed to get above the dotted line with two fantastic results against Chelsea and, and uh, Manchester City towards the end of last season. And obviously, we we played that, the same two teams to start the season this time round. And unfortunately, we didn't really get the results. And uh, we've we've been in the bottom three since. Um, obviously, we we haven't won a game just yet. Um, I think you know it's one of those things where it feels like we're very much up against it this time we took uh, seven points out of nine to start last season and you know now we've uh, we've only got two points on the board at this point this season so it, it feels like uh, it's going to be a lot more of a battle this season cuz cuz everyone's improved you know you've got teams that have come up like like wolves and fulham who who are arguably going to going to adapt to the premier league quite well so it's, it's going to be a struggle this time round, but um, I think the general consensus is that the performance over the last couple of games has picked up. You know, we played Spurs at home and uh, I think we, we actually had more shots on goal than them in that game. Um, and we, we played some really good football, uh, lost 2-0 and the, the difference on the day was was Harry Kane. Uh, and we are, we are really lacking someone who can stick the ball in the back of the net at the moment. Um, 
And then we, we went away to Burnley and we got what I guess many would consider to be a hard-fought draw. We came from a goal behind, which we don't tend to do very much under David Wagner. But we, we got the draw that we, we really deserved. And on another day, we could have actually maybe won that game. Um, so, yeah, just a little bit of an upturn recently. But th- there's no doubt that this season's going to be tougher than last season in terms of, uh, in terms of staying above the bottom three. Brilliant stuff. Thanks, uh, Ollie. Right then, over to you, Jay. After the uh, international break, we've looks like we've got a few problems injury-wise now, but do you think the, the international break itself came at a good time for Liverpool, considering that run of fixtures that we had and, and the, the next run of games as well? Yeah, um, I said this last Friday on Radio City Talk about it, that I think in an indirect way, even though I'm not a fan of international football and it, it always winds me up when the international break happens, I thought it did come at a good time for us because we just had a, a really, really difficult period and you know some really tough games. When you analyse the fact that you know after the last international break, the first game back, we had a trip to Wembley against Tottenham and that was arguably our best performance of the season, wasn't it? We were outstanding on the, on the day early and... I know like 2-1 doesn't look like we, we were, well, the better team, but Liverpool should have been out of sight, could have easily put four or five past Tottenham on that day. And then, you know, after that, we played Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League. And again, you know, second half performance was outstanding. And I know Firmino scored an injury time winner, but Liverpool were by far the better team. And we all know how good Paris Saint-Germain are with the superstars that they've got with Neymar and Mbappe and Cavani and what have you. So, you know, they were two fantastic results for Liverpool and very good performances. And then, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, we did have Southampton after that, you know, a routine 3-0 victory against a poor side, really, who, in my opinion, could very well find themselves fighting relegation this season as it pans out. And, you know, after that, we had really difficult games against, obviously, a double-header, really, against Chelsea, wasn't it? Where, you know, obviously, we went out to the Caribou Cup, which... Some people said it wasn't the end of the world. And to be honest with you, I mean, probably they are right. But then the flip side is Liverpool, the old saying of we only exist to win trophies. And we haven't won a trophy for six years now. So, you know, it's a bit disappointing because that's probably the easiest trophy, isn't it? To get on board on the mantelpiece. So to go out of it, you know, at the first round stage for, for, for us anyway, because the first time we'd entered the competition, wasn't it? And, you know, this season, and it's a bit disappointing that we lost that game. But we all know how good... Chelsea are really I mean we made changes they made changes and it was like basically our beast teams wasn't it and unfortunately they came out on top you know a bit of magic from Eden Hazard and we all know what a little genius he is so that was a bit disappointing and then we went to Stamford Bridge didn't we and, and it's always a really difficult place to go and they've started really well under the new manager Sarri haven't they and you know it was a hard fought game but we were well worth our results you know to get the points at the end as we did, the fantastic strike by Daniel Sturridge. And you know, really, if you analyse the whole game, Liverpool arguably should have won the game, really. So up to that point, you couldn't complain. But then we went to Naples, didn't we, in the Champions League? And it was quite possibly one of our worst performances under Jürgen Klopp. I just don't know what happened. I mean, we just never got going. And Napoli was sort of like, the runners ragged in the second half in particular and it was a sucker punch, wasn't it, conceding as we did in the last minute but it had been coming, hadn't it, for the whole of the second half and we couldn't have argued if we'd have lost the game 2 or 3-0 to tell you the truth and, you know, quite rightly, Napoli won the game and you were going into the Man City game a little bit of trepidation really because when you've had a tough game in Europe as we did, you know, the travelling involved as well against the tough sides, you know, 
with backs of the wall at times as well and a bit deflated because of the manner of how we lost the game. You were looking at it thinking, well, we've got Man City now and if there's one team in the Premier League you don't particularly want to play when you've just had a, a tough game in Europe, it's probably Man City pure and simply because they keep the ball better than any other team in the Premier League. And I thought the game was just... Uh, it was crazy, really. It was a, it was a total non-event. I mean, if someone would have said to you at the start of that game, I'd give you a 100 to 1 for it to be goalless. I don't think many people would have even had a pound on it, would they? Because the thing is, with Liverpool and Man City, we, we just tend to score goals galore, goals for fun, and uh, defence would have been able to contain the opposition's forward line. But, you know, so as it proved on the day, it, it was a very poor game, really, wasn't it? We cancelled each other out. They showed us a little bit too much respect. We showed them a little bit too much respect. And it would have been a killer at the end, wouldn't it? If, you know, if Mares would have scored that penalty. I mean, it, it was a terrible challenge by Van Dijk, really. I don't know what he was thinking of. He just dived in, didn't he? And we all know he's a fantastic centre-half, probably the best in the Premier League. But it was a massive error, really. And it could have cost us. And we got away with one because... Mahrez's penalty was an absolute shocker, wasn't it? And Aguero had only just recently left the field to play. So if he was still on the pitch, I mean, he probably would have stepped up and scored because he very rarely misses penalties. But Mahrez has got a really poor record. I was surprised really that he took it. And it was an absolute howler, wasn't it? And we were grateful really, weren't we, that we got a point from the game. But like I say, I think a point was a fair result in that. And we just had a really intense period, hadn't we? And I think it just got to the stage where international, the, the little break come at the right time, in my opinion, because I know they go away with the, the international, with the countries and the international teammates, but it's sort of like new environments, isn't it? You know, fresh minds and all that, you know, a, a different outlook, you know, it's, it's different training methods because we've just had a really intense period. So I do think it come at the right time, but now hopefully when you, when you take on board everything that's gone on in the international couple of weeks that we've just had there, we've picked up a few injuries, but quite a lot of the players have only played one game in that two-week period because obviously Van Dijk returned early, didn't he? Um, you know, Henderson didn't couldn't play in Spain, could he? Because he got suspended in, in the first game against Croatia. Um, you know, Andy Robertson's the only one that's played two games, hasn't he, in that two-week period. So it's actually been quite kind to us in a way because Salah returned early, early as well, didn't he? So... You know, let's hope now that this this period that we've got, I think we've got six games of me before the next international break. And let's be brutally honest about it, these six games are all very winnable and we've got to be looking at winning every single one of them. Excellent stuff. Thanks, Jay. OK, then, Ollie, uh, back over to yourself. Um, looking at the, the transfers that Huddersfield made during the summer, I had a little look at it today and it seems they made 10, maybe 11 signings that, that came into the club. Um, how, how have them players settled in and have many of them featured in, in, in your start of the season and uh, if so who's been the standout signing for you please Ollie? Yeah well um, it was obvious uh, towards the end of last season that because we sort of only just just managed to, to uh, secure Premier League status at the end of the year that, that the squad would need upgrades in, in certain areas and I, I think that the vast majority of our fan base would agree that we were sorely lacking quality at times in the wide areas. Um, we, we, we stuck really with the wingers that we had um, in, in the championship that got us promoted, players like Van La Parra, uh, Kachunga and you know some players as well came up like Joe Lolly who interestingly is uh, now absolutely tearing the championship apart for Nottingham Forest but you know we chose to chose to let him go. So I think you know over the summer the main 
she was getting in two or three quality wide players who would um, who would help us with our style of play because we we acknowledge that you know we're we're very small fish in a big pond and we're not going to be able to to um, to keep the ball for long periods you know no matter no matter what way David Wagner wants us to play. Um, our game very much became based on counter-attacking with, with, with pace and, and showing a clinical side in the final third. Um, so we, we needed wingers. So we signed um, Adama Diakabi from, from Monaco. We signed Ramadan Sobi from Stoke with, with Tom Ince, interestingly, going the other way pretty much in that deal. Um, Isaac and Benza came in from uh, Montpellier. He, he was on loan, but we've, we've got a deal to buy him. It's it's weird because um, those those two that I mentioned and Benzin and Diakabi we haven't really seen feature too much um, so far this season. I think Wagner has this um, has this ingrained idea that all his players to play in in his system in the starting eleven need to be one hundred percent fit, and I think that these players are perhaps needed a few weeks. To, to get used to our our rigorous training methods, I'm not saying that they came from from um, training poorly or anything like that. But you know, David Wagner needs his players to be 100% fit, and he needs the wingers to cover as much ground as possible. So perhaps that's why we haven't seen them quite so much yet. Uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing more of him, Benza, because when he came on Spurs, he t- he seemed to sort of change the game. He, he looked a little bit more direct and uh, wasn't frightened to have a shot. In fact, he, he actually did nearly nearly score towards the end of the game. Diakabi, you know, looking forward to seeing more of him as well. It, both players look quite raw in terms of, um, you know, the pacey, but the control can sometimes let them down. And you know, I think they're capable of, of for a wild shot every now and again. But I think Ramadan Sobi's been probably the, the disappointment out of those three that I mentioned. We've only seen him for for five or six minutes in the league so far this season because he's been struggling with with injuries. But it'd be interesting to see how he copes because he, he actually looked all right in pre-season. Um, but just looking at the others, I mean, we, we broke our club record transfer fee for Terence Congolo, signed him from Monaco, having had him uh, on loan for the second half of the 2017-18 season. Um, I think everyone was in agreement that when he when he came in from uh, <clears throat> from Monaco on loan, he, he instantly became our best player. You know, he, he was absolutely fantastic. Could he, he could either slot in as a centre-back in, in sort of a back three slash a back five or... Yeah, or he was equally comfortable at left back in a in a back four, so he was absolutely massive for us. Um, our our in terms of conceding goals, our record prior to his arrival was pretty shocking. You know, we were we were getting five put past us quite often by the big sides, as you kind of come to expect. But <clears throat> once Congolo arrived, we actually didn't concede more than two goals in any game. So I think that that says a lot, you know, for the, pretty much the second half of the season, we didn't concede more than two. And I think he, he was a massive part of that. So when we spent £18 million to bring him in, um, it was a massive shock for a lot of us because, you know, one of my first seasons, in fact, my, the first season I remember properly supporting Huddersfield, we were in, we were in League Two. Um, we'd just come from the other side of pretty much financial ruin where the supporters had had to bail the club out. You know, yeah. We were playing the likes of Boston United, Macclesfield, Lincoln City, with a team of academy players, um, and now we're spending nearly enough twenty million pound on a on a Dutch international. It, it sort of put it all in perspective how far we've come on this journey. But uh, he's been really good so far. He's he's um, been exactly as expected. You know, he's continued where he left off from his loan spell, um, and he's become a real fan favourite. Um, unfortunately, he's going to be missing this Saturday. Uh, 
Wagner confirmed earlier today that uh, he's picked up a picked up an injury. So that's that's a shame because we could really do with him, especially against obviously the forward that you guys have. But um, yeah, I'd say he's certainly been one of the more more pleasing signings that um, that we've managed to bring in. Obviously, over the course of my time watching Town. In terms of the others, I mean, we we managed to get at, um, Eric Derm on a, on a free transfer from Borussia Dortmund, which was quite interesting because you know a couple of years ago he was been linked with with some some big moves you know to to rival Bundesliga clubs and I even think he got linked with with a move to the Premier League to a couple of the you know top four top six sides as well so Wagner using his link there with Dortmund to to bring in a player who is um, a World Cup winner on paper um that that is another sort of pinch yourself kind of thing for us um he he wasn't quite up to fitness when he when he arrived, um, but he's up to fitness now, and uh, I expect him to feature on Saturday. Uh, he, he's looked good in the games that we've seen. I think it's it, it'd be naive to say that you bring in players from the continent and they will adapt straight away. You know, any player, no matter what level they've played at, does need a little bit of time to get up to up to not less speed, but to adjust their style with the English game. Because I think, you know, while there are comparisons between Bundesliga and Premier League, I, I think that. Um, has a tendency to be a bit, a little bit more, a little bit more physical in the Premier League, and I think Derm's just sort of excellent stuff. Cheers, the really nice. We, uh... we signed it was Junior Bakuna. Go on, sorry. Yeah, no, go on, Ollie. Uh, sorry, I thought you'd. Uh, I just lost you for a sec. You, you carry on, pal. Oh yeah, no worries. Um, we signed uh, Juninho Bakuna from from Groningen in uh, Divisi, and I suppose anyone who's seen his name so far this season will know him as the guy who scored the 50-yard own goal at Stoke away in the in the League Cup. Um, it, it, an amazing, amazing piece of play where we were pushing for the equaliser late on in the game, and uh, ball came to him, and he tried to sort of volley it back up towards the danger area, and actually only succeeded in slicing the ball 50 yards over over our keeper into his own net um, if anyone hasn't seen that yet I'd, I'd recommend looking it up because it is honestly something that's going to be used on on DVDs in future and stuff that was that was quite funny but <laughs> he's only young so he's got a lot of time to put that behind him and uh, you know only two million quid he's, he's one for the future uh, and then you know we signed like Ben Hamer on a free from Leicester to be our new backup goalkeeper he actually started um, a couple of games early on this season which was surprising because of how good Jonas Lossel was towards the end of last Last season especially um, but Hamer had a really good pre-season managed to, to get the starting spot for, for the first couple of games but he really struggled I mean we let him nine in those first two games and I think, I think uh, that really knocked his confidence a bit so um, so Lossell's got the starting spot back for now so yeah it was an interesting summer of recruitment you know we, we thought we brought in the quality in the wide areas that we needed I'd perhaps like to see another quality midfielder because we've shown that we're lacking when Moy or Hogg isn't fit Um but, you know, overall, we, we also acknowledge that we're not in a position to attract an abundance of quality players. So it's a case of going and investing abroad and, and getting the best value for money. And that's what we did in the championship. And it's got us to where we are now. So so why should we why should we change that philosophy? But I, I think one of the most interesting changes that we made in terms of personnel over the summer is we brought in a new director of football called um, Olaf Reber. He, were, he previously worked for Wolfsburg. And uh, he knows Wagner, obviously, from, from his time in Germany. Um, but the, he certainly arrived with mixed reviews. In fact, the tweet that we put out, uh, the club's official tweets announcing him uh, his appointment, a lot of replies from Wolfsburg fans saying, you know, thank God for taking him off us. Because it seems like he spent quite a lot of money 
and actually nearly the team nearly got relegated um, the season before he left them. So um, jury's still out, obviously, on River because you know we've only had sort of three months to see see his recruitment and uh, and see the players that he's brought in. But you know, at the moment with uh, with three points from from eight games, it doesn't doesn't look amazing. But um, yeah, an interesting summer of recruitment, and we've just got to pray that uh, come that thirty eighth game, we're, we're above the dotted line. Brilliant stuff, uh, Ollie. Nice insight, sorry, into the uh, summer recruitment there for for Huddersfield. Okay then, Jay. Looking forward to the to the game on uh, on Saturday. Huddersfield won't have had many as many international players as as Liverpool. Do you think this will have um, have an effect on the on the game and be a problem for Liverpool this uh, this weekend? Well, it shouldn't be because, as I touched on before, quite a lot of our players only really played one game in that two-week time span, didn't they? So, there's no excuses at all, Peter. I mean, without wanting to sound arrogant or cocky, I think Liverpool should be going to Huddersfield and getting the results because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what happened when Chelsea went there. That's what happened when Tottenham went there. So, if we want to be, we are a top four side and if we want to be genuine title contenders, then we've got to be going to places like Huddersfield field and no disrespect to them but the, the the big contenders to go down this season aren't they along with the likes of Cardiff and Fulham and Southampton and what have you so you know Newcastle as well so there's, there's no reason whatsoever why Liverpool shouldn't be going there and getting three points and winning quite convincingly regardless of the international break I mean the last international break we played Tottenham a really tough game and that's as I said before probably our best performance of the season but you know, this is slightly different because when you say there about the amount of the freshness that Huddersfield probably have compared to Liverpool and, and obviously compared to Tottenham as well, because obviously they've got a lot of, you know, international stars as well, but it shouldn't be a problem at all. Liverpool have got far superior players and, you know, they say there's no easy games in the Premier League and that, that's correct, but, you know, we've still got to be going to somewhere like Huddersfield and getting three points and, that, and as I keep reiterating, you know, it's no disrespect to them, but the facts are they haven't got many players that you would say that uh, would get anywhere near Liverpool's squad let alone Liverpool's first 11 so it's a little bit of a mismatch on paper but because it's an away game you know you'd expect the crowd to be up half five kick off Saturday night I'm sure the crowd will be you know vociferous you know they'll be up for it won't they and if they're going to stay up then they, they need to get the victories at home because, you know, OK, last season they had the two great results at the end of the season, picking up a point in there against Manchester City, picking up a point against Chelsea. But when they got the victories at the, the first part of the season, a lot of the work was done at the, in the home games, wasn't it, in the John Smiths? The, the John Smith's ground so you know at the end of the day mm. this is where they, they've got to get their points from and Liverpool just have to be professional about it and go into it and just play their normal game and hopefully it'll get three points and we should be fine but you know like I said I wouldn't say anything to do with fatigue or anything like that because there's probably only Andy Robertson that played two games in that past two week period so you know there's, there's no excuses at all Liverpool have got to go there and get three points yeah, and just um, I'm just going to stay with you, Jake. A few of the um, the pundits this week have said that Liverpool seem to be lacking it, that creative midfielder, and, and now with with Cater looking like he's um, he's going to be missing for for a few weeks at least. Um, is this somewhere that Klopp needs to look at in in January? Obviously, there's all the the Nabil Fakir stuff been out again today, hasn't it? With 
uh, excuse me, whether these pictures um, are correct or not, or whether they're photoshopped of him signing for Liverpool back in the summer and it's raised its head again, hasn't it? So do you think this is something that um, Klopp's going to address in January? I think it's it's very evident that Liverpool needs someone, but whether or not we sign someone in January, I, I'm, I've got me doubts. You know, it's um, we've never really quite replaced Coutinho, and people will say the back end of last season, you know, we didn't miss him from January to May. We got to a European Cup final, very unfortunate not to win it. I mean, if if Mo Salah would have went off injured, who knows what would have happened? We could have could be sitting here now with you know six European Cups, but you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't to be, and. No one says in the bar Coutinho on that run, do they? But I do think what you've got to think about is with Oxley Chamberlain being injured now for the whole of this season, Liverpool struggle when it comes to linking the midfield to attack. And mm. it's evident this season that the front three just haven't clicked yet. And it's not just about the front three not doing it. The supply line's not there. I think Liverpool are over-reliant really on the full-backs getting forward to give us a little bit of width and creativity Andy Robertson on the left-hand side sent Alexander-Arnold on the right-hand side I know Joe Gomez played their age Man City but you know it's not ideal because the midfield's really rigid with Wijnaldum, Henderson and Milner and all three are very good players in their own right but they're not very creative in my opinion and you know, Milner does his best. I mean, he got loads of assists last year in the Champions League, but, you know, it's very difficult when it comes to the Premier League. It's a little bit different than the Champions League and I think we're struggling, really. We've got, you know, Oxley Chamberlain's a massive, massive loss to this team because, you know, we sort of like, he links that midfield to the forward, to the forwards for me. He was outstanding last season when he got his run of games and with the second part of the season and we aren't half missing him and, that's why he wanted someone like Fekker in the summer and it just wasn't to be. You know, the lad's knees are shot. You know, people are going on saying, well, he went to the World Cup with France and he's doing all right for Leon still and all that. But the facts are he didn't pass a thorough medical examination. So you can't be signing a player for £50 million when his, one of his knees is shot. It's as simple as that. And yeah, we've, we've all seen the, the, the clips and the, the photos of him doing the, the, the club, the unveiling where he's the club colours on and he does the interview but it's mystifying but the facts are we didn't sign him and people need to move on from it and we're not going to sign him in January and, and uh, you know in my opinion we sign him full stop we might look elsewhere but uh, who I don't know I really don't know I mean that's not for me to decide and I'm not a scout you know Jürgen Klopp I'm sure he's going to have something up his sleeve I mean He's not soft, is he? he? won't just buy someone for the sake of it. He, he likes to be quite thorough in what he does in terms of like getting players to the football club. And he waited. We've seen it. He batted his time with Naby Keita. He signed him a summer earlier. He, he had a season at Leipzig last, last year and then we got him this summer. S- same thing t- type of thing happened with Virgil van Dijk. You know, Liverpool were crying out for the centre-half last summer. And what happens? You know, we waited until the January time to, to get him and... You know, that's just the way Klopp works. So I'm, I'm sure the wheels are in motion to sign somebody. And, and there has been a few whispers that were interested in Memphis Depay, maybe going back in for him. Because if you remember back a few years ago, Liverpool tried for him, didn't they? When they, they around about the same time, they got Roberto Firmino and Depay ended up going to Manchester United. And it didn't really happen for him there. He was probably a bit too young at the time. And he, he sort of like rekindled himself really his career sort of like had a little bit of an upward curve by going to Leon, and he's done quite well there and I know it's not the greatest league in the world but you know the facts are 
he looks a good player for Leon, just as much as what Fekker does. And the difference between Depay and, and Fekker is, you know, Depay hasn't got a, a need that shot. You know, that's the difference. So maybe there is there is interest in Depay. I'm not too sure. That's just a little whisper and a little rumour that I've, that I've heard. But other than that, I really don't know who we're going to go for. But it's clear to see that we need somebody. And, and when I say we need somebody, whether it's to be in January, whether it's to be in the summertime, I, I don't know. But, you know, it's evident that we need someone. And I'm sure Klopp's on it. It's just who we're going to get. And nobody knows yet. Great stuff. Cheers, Jay. OK, then, back over to you. Um, Ollie, looking forward to the game on on Saturday. First of all, what's the, the situation with the with the squad and the... Um, the injuries going into this game and also how do you expect David Wagner to to approach this game tactically? Well, um, as I mentioned, we've got arguably our best <coughs> defender uh, in Congola. He's going to be out with a hamstring injury. That's obviously going to be a huge blow for us because it feels like at times he's the one who, him and Schindler are certainly the ones who can hold the back line together. Um, Congola has this athleticism, pace, you know, but also an intelligence that Sort of makes you think he's the only one out of our current crop of defenders who could really compete with um, with some of the top forwards like obviously you guys have. That's going to be a massive miss for us. Um, and that might sort of contribute to a change in system, which I'll come on to. But um, Tommy Smith is going to be out as well. He, he's, uh, he plays right back, tends to play right back, but he, he's had his starting spot sort of taken by Derm, who can play right back, and also um, Hadjanai, who we signed on a permanent in the summer. He also tends to get the nod over Tommy Smith. Uh, but Tommy Smith, interestingly, could have could have quite easily started the game on Saturday purely because he tends to be a, a more defensive-minded fullback. Um, he, he managed to rack up a load of assists in the Championship, but he, he's played a different role in the Premier League so far because um, he, he started sort of in a back three, but um, has since been moved out to right back so he's, he's more of a defensive minded fullback. Um so he might have he might have featured but he's out with a groin problem. And then we've also got Danny Williams who's um central midfielder um who who we signed in the summer after getting promoted. We signed him from Reading who we obviously beat in the playoff final so that must have been a bit, a bit of a kick in the teeth for them. But he he's been good since he arrived. Struggled a little bit with injuries and he's gonna miss this game with a knee injury. So that's a bit of a shame because I feel like, you know, if we can get towards that last half an hour of the game and we're still within striking distance or, or even even drawing the game or, you know, heaven forbid, we're even winning the game, he could have uh, could have really added some legs off the bench and, and helped keep up the, the high intensity and the pressing style that Wagner will obviously try to deploy. Um, it sounds like there's also doubts about um, Ramadan Sobe, who's who has spent about six weeks out injured. You know, like I said, he's only played five or six minutes for us in the league so far um, but he's been back training for a week although you know as I mentioned earlier Wagner really likes his players to be at 100% you know not even 99% will do so I think uh, I think Wagner said during his press conference today that he's going to give him a game in the academy to, to basically get him back up to speed ahead of what are some some more targetable fixtures that we've got coming up after you guys on Saturday um, Billing also he I mean, it's interesting because obviously people will assume that we don't have many internationals um, because, yeah, small club in the Premier League, etc. But we had we had six players who, who featured uh, over the international break. Billing was one of them. He played for Denmark under twenty ones. He actually scored a goal. It was it was his first for Denmark in in um, sort of 
uh, any level. So that that was a good good milestone for him. But I think he's picked up a little bit of a knock, and he's going to need, need to be assessed. Although uh, Wagner did say the signs are positive, so I think we can expect him to 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 make a start. Um, Abdelhamid Sabiri, he hasn't featured much this season, but he played for Germany under 21s. And then we had John Stankovic, who's a centre half who actually scored at the Etihad earlier this season. That was quite funny. Uh, Steve Munier played for Benin. He's uh, probably our first choice striker at the moment. Uh, Matthias Zanka, uh, who scored at the World Cup, he, he uh, played for Denmark. And then Isaac and Benza played for Belgium under 21s. And, and uh, there's, a, there's a little bit of a doubt about him because he's come back with some fluid on his knee. So. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to to start either. Um, so you know the 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 things I've mentioned. I, I reckon that Wagner he, he has his way of playing against the the top four sides. Particularly, you could argue the top six, but certainly the, the top four sides. Um, whereby he tries very much to contain the opponents. He tries to make it difficult and he tries to frustrate. And in turn, I think that can frustrate supporters because obviously this last two years since Wagner's arrival we've all been really behind this whole terrier spirit kind of um, kind of nickname where yes we're the underdogs but we'll give any game a good go um, but towards the end of last season he, he, ten- he tended to abandon the um, such an energetic approach in favour of a more pragmatic approach um, it worked you know we got those two points that we needed to stay up away at Chelsea and at Man City by playing containing football by putting men behind the ball crowding out the, the danger areas of the opposition uh, and honestly just generally getting the ball and kicking it down the field. Um, it, it would have been great for most people to watch but for us it was it was absolutely hilarious going to going to Man City and being the only team to stop them scoring purely by playing anti-football. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see how he's adapted his style, Wagner, uh, since promotion to, to the Premier League. Um, it'd be interesting as well to see how he sets up on Saturday because um, as I said we've obviously got Congolo out and he's probably our best defender Smith out we don't, we're not going to be able to, to to play him at right back so I, I can imagine him instead of going with his usual back five against the top four team I think he will go with four at the back um, I could see him obviously starting Lossling goal I think Derman Chris Lerver Lerver's another uh, play that we signed from Dortmund uh, in, in the summer before our promotion season. Um, th- those two will be the full-backs. Uh, and Schindler at centre-half. I can, can see that being the centre-half pair and it's the only logical one really because I don't think that Stankovic is, is really up to Premier League standard. Um, he can prove me wrong though because he he's still quite young. And then uh, he tends to alternate between a 5-4-1 a um, when, when we're trying to play a bit more pragmatic and a 4-2-3-1 which is the system System which he knows better, um, but I, for this purely because of a lack of wide options, I can see us lining up in kind of a four-three-three formation where we have Moy, Hogg, and Billing. Assuming Billing's fit, those are the three midfielders. I think we'll just sort of, you know, Hogg will probably sit in front of that back four, and he will try and, and get stuck in and stop any creativity that you've got coming from the midfield. Uh, Billing will also do that. He's sort of more of a box-to-box kind of player. He he does offer a threat. At, at the other end of the pitch as well, but obviously Moy is is the, you know, it's no secret now that Moy is the player that that our system runs through. Really, he's the he's the first outlet when we've got the ball at the back, and also he seems to be the one that the player really runs through when we're trying to to build attacks at the other end. So, be interesting to see Moy's role in in this. Um, if we play with a three man midfield, whether he plays sort of just off the centre or whether he will he'll try to sort of push up and almost be like a number ten. 
Um, there's been a lot of fans who've been calling for Alex Pritchard to get a start. Um, he is a natural number 10, um, but I don't think this is the game to throw him into. Wagner has used him sparingly so far this season, purely because I think he's a bit scared of us being caught out in terms of balance. You know, our, our midfield getting exposed a little bit too much because Hogg, quite frankly, can't do it all on his own. Um, so, yeah, I can see him starting with a three-man midfield, Moy, Hogg and Billing. The wingers, it'd be interesting to see what he does, but I can see Kachunga and Raji van the Paris starting. It's funny, obviously, early in the episode mentioned that we needed an upgrade on those wingers coming into this season because they were really just sort of good championship players and perhaps couldn't make that jump. But they seem to be Wagner's comfort blanket in a sense because I think you know the work rate of Kachunga can't be questioned. He also scored quite a lot of goals in the championship. He he does have an eye for goal. Um but like I say, most importantly, it's his willingness to get back, you know, the other side of the halfway line and really track back and, and, and cover the overlaps. And I think that's going to be really important, obviously, with the with the um, the fullbacks that, that Liverpool have. They're, they're going to look to overlap and get forward, get to the byline, cause problems as much as possible. So it'd be nice to have that insurance with, with Kachunga in the side. And then Van Lepara is a guy who, you know, he's also a divisive kind of figure among town fans because he can be quite wasteful in possession. He can often make the wrong decision, but ultimately he's an out and he's an outlet that we desperately need. Uh, if it was up to me, I'd probably start Diakabi, but I think there are probably going to be question marks about whether he is 100% fit. Um, so I, I can see it being Van Lepera and honestly, yeah, you know, for the amount that he gets on the ball, I'm not entirely sure how much of a difference it's going to make, but now I've said that, he's probably going to score a bit. Um, yeah, Mounier, he, he'll probably get the nod up top as well. Um, he's, he's team. We've got, obviously, Mounier, who's, um, who arrived what at the time was a record fee from, from Montpellier. Um, and we've got Laurent de Poitre, who came from Porto. Uh, the, the kind of... The, 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 the strikers that aren't really that similar... De Poitre covers the ground. He's willing to, to sort of run to the corner flag in order to to um, sort of cover the channels and to create space to drag to drag the centre-halves out wide and sort of stretch the play a little bit. Whereas Mooney, I think, doesn't necessarily have the um, have the same perceived work rate, let's say. He's more of a more of an, a poacher. He tends to get in and around the area a lot more and he, he, he won't um, he won't run he won't cover as much distance as as De Poitre does uh, but Mounier I think for this game is going to get the nod purely because if we do manage to fashion an opportunity you want it to go to your more your most clinical your more clinical striker and I think that, that that'll be Mounier so yeah I can see see him lining up with a 4-3-3 uh, it's probably going to function as a 5-4-1 or at very least a 4-5-1 off the ball with with players basically you know, um, holding two lines, two banks, and and challenging Liverpool to to break us down. And yeah, you know, Liverpool probably will find a way because you know they've, they've got an abundance of attacking options. Some some very skillful, some very creative players might have struggled to score goals a little bit recently. But you know, I can understand from your point of view why you're seeing this is the perfect kind of game to to get some some form back into the forwards. But I can see Wagner setting up to frustrate a little bit. Um, but if if he's going to have a go at out coaching anyone, then why not his best mate Klopp? I suppose. Excellent stuff, spot on. Cheers, Ollie. Okay then, Jay. Similar one for you. There's um, there's a few as we spoke about earlier injury doubts for Liverpool. I'll just see Jurgen Klopp uh, lining up the 
the starting eleven in this one. Obviously, Lovren started against uh, Manchester City, didn't he? And, and Trent was on the bench with Gomez at, at full-back. Then you've got the uh, the midfield positions um, pretty much picking itself, really, isn't it? But do you see someone like Shaqiri coming in for a run? Do you see um, maybe Daniel Sturridge giving a run with possibly um, Mane dropping out with, with his hand injury? How do you see Klopp going um, with it this Saturday, please, Jay? Well, you just mentioned nerds and you know about Sadio Mane and, and we spoke before the podcast about it where I was saying about I'd be a bit disappointed if he doesn't start the game or he doesn't play in this game because, you know, I know he's broke his thumb and it's obviously discomfort there, isn't he? He's had an operation as well and being under anaesthetic and stuff. But the facts are he, he hasn't trained. He, he won't have trained on Thursday, but he, I'm sure he will train on on Friday so the way I see it there's no reason why Mane shouldn't start the game but as we've seen in the past with Jürgen Klopp if players miss training sessions he does tend to leave them out doesn't he I mean it happened with Roberto Firmino when he got poked in the eye didn't he at Wembley against Tottenham and he, he missed out against Paris Saint-Germain he was on the bench and then he, he came off the bench to score the winning goal in injury time and you know, it tends to be the way with Klopp, no matter how important you are to the team, which Mane is important to the team, the same way as Firmino is important to the team as well. But Virgil van Dijk never trained, did he, before the, the Chelsea game um, back at the end of September? But then he played, didn't he? So, you know, I suppose it swings around about but Klopp's way normally tends to be if you miss training sessions, then, then in his eyes, you're not 100% to start the game at the weekend. So, it's an interesting one to see what happens with that. And then bearing that in mind, I do think there is a good chance that he may well sit it out and he might be on the bench. And there's a good possibility that maybe Shakiri will start the game, really, I think, because he's been very eager, hasn't he, to, to get his opportunities to play. And he started against Southampton. And I thought in the first half, he was fantastic, really. I mean, the first goal come from his ball across the area and it was it ended up being an own goal, didn't it? And then this free kick right on the stroke of half time, underside of the crossbar, and, and then Mo Salah poked it home for 3-0. So he played his part in that game and he started the game. So I do think there's a there's a really good chance that Shakiri might start. And if he does, then it'd be interesting to see if he switches Salah over onto the left hand side where obviously that's where Mane's been playing. Or he just he, he does have Shakiri on the left hand side and keeps Salah on the right hand side because by all accounts, you know, Salah's going to be available to start the game, say where Van Dijk is. They both trained in the on Thursday, so there's no excuses, there's no reason why they shouldn't be starting in this game. Other than that, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I think the midfield three picks itself because don't quite think Fabinho's up to speed yet. And then you'd also have to say, well, Naby Keita's got a hamstring injury, so he'll miss the game, he'll sit it out. There's talk that Lalana is available, but I can't see him starting the game, surely not. I mean, I imagine he'll be on the bench for the game and he might get 20 minutes cameo appearance, but I just can't see him starting the game. So I think it'll be the midfield three that we've been used to really in, in recent times with Wijnaldum, Henderson and, and James Milner, who's returned from injury after going off against Manchester City. Um, in defence, I mean... To be honest with you, Joe Gomez, for me, has been our best player this season. I think he's been fantastic at centre-half. He, he's, it's, he's sort of like it's, it's unearthed the gem, really. Because Lovren came back, didn't he, with an injury and he didn't disclose it. Liverpool never dipped into the transfer market for the centre-half, as we all expected. 
and then Lovren suddenly has got an injury and then Joe Gomez has had to step up and he, and he stepped up to the plate remarkably well. I think he's arguably been better than Virgil van Dijk, really, to tell you the truth, which is a massive statement to make, but I do think he has been. I think he's been more consistent, really. He's been outstanding and I'd like to see him move back into you know the centre-back position alongside van Dijk and bring young Trent in at right-back because I think with Gomez, he's done a job for us against Man City, but Arnold gives us a little bit better width for me and I don't think he's had a great start to the season since, to tell you the truth. I think some of his delivery's been quite poor, but we all know like sometimes he, he's, he, when he's on the money, he's, he's outstanding, like really, isn't he, for such a young boy, like he's 20 years of age now, but you know, he's still a kid, isn't he, really? But I'd be definitely bringing Trent back in at right-back, moving Gomez across and you know, Lovren put him on the bench and then go from there, really. And, you know, it, it, there's going to be a few changes, there's no doubt about it, but we've got six games now coming at the start of the podcast and, you know, the six games that Liverpool have got to be looking at winning and, yeah, we'll make a few changes. This is the time now to maybe use a little bit of the squad. I mean, Daniel Sturridge got our player of the month, didn't he? Because he scored quite a few goals for us in, in September and maybe you could argue that he's, he's worthy of a start, but I think with Sturridge, it's more likely that he He'd start in home games, maybe against Cardiff and Fulham or Red Star in the Champions League. I'm not too keen on Sturridge starting in away games, to tell you the truth, because, you know, at times you need your centre forward to press and lead from the front. And that's what Firmino does. And if you're taking him out to the side and you're putting Sturridge there to do the job, he doesn't really do the job anywhere near to what Firmino does. So for me, if he's going to be doing it, you'd say in the home games, really, when. I mean, I know Liverpool should have a lot more of the ball against Huddersfield away, but I still think the home games are the ones where you should be playing Sturridge rather than in the away games. And look, at the end of the day, I've said before, this is a game that Liverpool should be getting three points in. I'm not going to take anything for granted, but I think we'll have too much for Huddersfield. Excellent stuff. Right, OK then, lads, before... Uh... <laughs> Excuse me, I introduced the uh, the band that I'm going to play on the podcast. Just going to get a, a score prediction and your your reasons for that. So, first of all, starting off with you, Ollie, while Huddersfield are the, the home side, what's, uh, give us a score prediction and uh, your reasons, please. Yeah, um, it's perhaps not a difficult game to call. As much as I think that this this could be a game where perhaps... We could we could ride sort of the, the atmosphere that the, the crowd will inevitably generate and perhaps have a memorable night just like we did against uh, Man United at home last season. Um, and it, it would be such a fairy tale for Wagner to get one over on on Klopp. Obviously, a lot has been made of the relationship between those two. Um, I, I agree. I think Liverpool will have a little bit too much for us. Perhaps if we if we had a win on the board, if we'd have beaten Burnley and we were coming into this game with a little bit more confidence and we had more of a free shot at this game, then I would perhaps have have be more of the opinion that we could we could get something from the game. But all things considered, the injury to Congolo, the fact that we're we're sort of lacking any any real any real wide options, um, and I think that that Munier is going to be feeding off scraps for most of this game. I can't see us scoring. Uh, and I can see I can see Liverpool having enough to break us down over the 90 minutes. So I'm, I'm going to go with 2-0 Liverpool. I don't think we'll get an absolute spanking um, because obviously you guys have got some injury problems as well. But yeah, I'm going to go with 2-0. With um, and yeah, just hopefully a good game of football and, and a good atmosphere on, on a Saturday evening. Brilliant. Thank you, Ollie. OK then, Jay, let's have uh, your score prediction and uh, your reasons, please. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with what Ali's saying. I mean, I think I do think with it being a, a Saturday evening game, the the tails are going to be up a little bit, aren't they? You know, the crowd's going to be behind them, and you know, Liverpool will obviously take a great set of following as well. You know, obviously we'll be up for it as well. But I just think, all things considered, I mean, you know, Liverpool, it is on the back of an international break and we have got a couple of little injuries here and there and you know, a few players with, with points to prove and what have you and stuff. And I think if Liverpool click, as we keep saying time and time again, someone's going to be on the end of the hiding. And when I say hiding, I'm talking five, six, seven, whatever. But I don't think it'll happen on Saturday evening. I do think it'll be... You know, we might struggle at times to break them down. I don't think Huddersfield will score. I don't think they've got enough really to trouble us. I mean, Liverpool, that's one thing that we've massively improved in now with Van Dijk and Gomez and obviously Alisson in between the sticks as well. So Liverpool don't really tend to give up many opportunities to the opposition. And I think, you know, Huddersfield will find it difficult. They haven't scored many goals this season. And I think the same will apply on Saturday evening. So I, I echo what he's saying there. I, I think Liverpool just have enough to beat them and I think you know maybe a goal in the first half and a goal in the second half to top it off and we'll win 2-0 2-0 for you as well then Jay ok yeah um, my own thoughts on it I think it'll be like you say a difficult game under the lights at um, Huddersfield on a, on a Saturday evening obviously the TV cameras are there so it's going to be another little boost for the for the home side but yeah like you both say I think Liverpool will We'll have probably a little bit too much um, for Huddersfield going forward and the way that they, they set up and keep the ball and, and things like that. I think it'll be very difficult for Huddersfield to, to get a foot in the game. Um, but saying that, I think uh, I'm going to go with a with a 3-1 Liverpool victory. I think Huddersfield might just sneak one um, down at our end, uh, but I think we'll have too much for them uh, going forward the other way. Right, okay then, just before we uh, leave, I'm going to introduce the song by um, by the band that's been in touch with us this week. The song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Black Rock Blue, and the band are called Burning Astronomers. 5am and the night is gone I'm all alone Ocean times They flowed like wine When I was yours And you were mine 6am
and that song was called Black Rock Blue from Burning Astronomers and uh, just a little um, word on them lads as well before before we go they actually chose to um, use one of my photographs that I, I took out when I was out in Hamburg in Germany as their their album album cover so uh, much appreciated that um, lads and uh, thanks very much for that Okay then, so thanks very much Jay and thanks very much Ollie for joining us on the, the Huddersfield vs Liverpool preview podcast on the cop table. Hope you enjoyed the show lads. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, cheers lads, enjoy the game. Brilliant stuff, so that's the Huddersfield vs Liverpool preview on the cop table all done. We'll be returning like next week with our Liverpool vs Cardiff preview thanks everybody once again for listening and uh, we will speak to you all very soon some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside and some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort i used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package but that all changed when i got my honda suv it's rugged and sophisticated and right now honda has deals on the entire honda suv lineup crv hrv pilot passport you name it So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package, but that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone.